During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Hi, and welcome to the final segment of the Leadership Enigma anniversary episode. I'm having so much fun, James. I actually don't want to go home, but apparently that's not allowed. So welcome to my final pair of guests, Graham Codrington and Pepe Gonzalez. Gentlemen, how are you both? I'm doing really well. Uh, Lovely to be with you. And congratulations on the anniversary edition of this podcast. It's been wonderful to listen in. Graham, thank you very much. And I know you're joining us from South Africa. And Pepe, say hello as well. Good. I mean, um, it's a pleasure to be with all of you here. So I'm very happy to be part of this uh, wonderful dialogue with Graham and yourself, Adam. And I'm very honoured because I had to twist Pepe's arm quite hard to uh, uh, get him onto this particular episode. So I'm glad I finally got him. Uh, Listen, Graham, we're going to start with you because you are a futurist. And just let's start with that. What do we mean when we say futurist? Because you and I have done an episode uh, which I think, Katie, you picked up on us already. It was a, a wonderful episode. Uh, there's no crystal ball involved, but let's start with you, Graham. Futurist, what's that? Yeah, it, it, it would be magnificent, wouldn't it be, if we could predict the future? And of course, we can do some level of anticipation. <laughs> you know, cough, cough, uh, if some governments have done a little bit more of that, uh, we might be in better shape at the moment. Uh, but of course, we can't uh, predict with, with any uh, level of, of certitude exactly what's going to happen. When. Yeah. What we can do is anticipate, develop scenarios and prepare. Um, and so that's basically what I do. do. Do our best to try and make sense uh, of the trends that we see in the world, work out what's short term, what's long term, uh, and then to prepare for whatever might happen. Uh, and that, that's actually most of the job, is the preparation piece rather than the prediction. And I know you're working with organizations and leaders all over the world. I've been lucky enough to see some of your sessions. We've collaborated on a number of projects. And something I wanted you just to speak about again, because it really resonated with me, Katie, this was in the episode two, we, you, you speak very passionately and very well about adaptability uh, and, mm. and how leaders need to be adaptable. Just help us with that, because that's, that's a powerful resource, isn't it, to be adaptable in this incredibly changing and volatile environment. Well, you know, given that this is the one-year anniversary of the podcast, obviously we're looking back over a year and what a year it's been. And in that year, I think the point I've been trying to make for 20 years uh, has finally sort of come home for most of my clients, which is that the world is unpredictable. And, and forces of change, especially disruptive forces. And by disruption, I don't necessarily mean a negative or a positive thing. It's just deep structural change, changes to the rules for success and failure in your industry, changes to industry standards, benchmarks, best practice. Uh, those are coming at us now thick and fast. And 
obviously, if we can predict some of those changes, we can get ahead of them. But I think we've understood and realized and COVID has been the best case study um, I could have ever uh, dreamed up to try and get people to understand. You, you can't actually predict what you need to do is be more responsive to change, be ready for whatever comes your way. Um, and I use the language of adaptability or adaptive intelligence mm -hmm. or adaptive leaders. Uh, and I think that that is relevant in every part of your business, whether it's about your, your strategy, whether it's about your structures and systems, uh, whether it's about who you hire or you know what markets you do work in, or maybe even most significantly, who your customers are, where they are, and what they want from you. I mean, that's probably drives most businesses in terms of their thinking about what to do next. And, and I think so every part of business for me uh, now needs to become more responsive to change. And of course, there's a quite a long list of what you can do in order to be responsive. But uh, in a word, it's become more adaptable. Right. And I'm going to go over to Pepe because you used the word, which is a great segue. And you talked about customers or those end users. And, and Pepe, I know you really specialized. You were a very senior leader within Tetra Pak and you specialize in helping organizations now understand their ability to be customer centric and how that is a strategic imperative. So with the world that has changed and continues to change at an ever increasing rate, what are your thoughts as regards how we adapt to our customers? It is, it is quite an interesting question because I was hearing Ryan talking about we cannot predict. And yes, it will be very, very arrogant to say you will predict because it's proven that no one can really make a good prediction about the future. But being customer focused or being obsessed with customers and how can we help our customers in this adaptability is being obsessed to try to understand what is happening out there, putting information and intelligence towards, in an obsessive way, towards or inside our organization can uh, allow us to really start discovering or treating or testing new experiences, new products and services to our customers, to our own or customer customer in order not to predict but being part of this future that is coming. And that's why for me to become customer-centric or to be a customer-centric organization in today's world is even more important than it has been always before because it's the only way to be ready for this shift, this adaptability that Graham is mentioning now. If you are able to be obsessively with your customer and understanding their business and their customer, customer, the end user, if you're in business to business type of industry, I think is the, the only way that you can anticipate sometimes what is the experience, the product, the service that can match even sometimes before the customer know themselves. And of course, with a lot of humility, humbleness, but I think customer obsessed companies, and I don't need to mention the, the usual suspects, I don't think that Amazon or Alibaba predict the way they are selling today through platforms but clearly their obsession to know their customers and the end user of their services allow them to really start building what today we think is the future. So, so adaptability means obsession with business intelligence translated to potential new experiences for your customer, new products, new services. Right, gotcha. So I'm gonna bring Katie and Keith into the conversation. Graham's got a wonderful phrase, never waste a good crisis. We're coming out of a crisis, are we still in crisis? So what does it mean for our customers? And we are customers ourselves, but what does it mean for how we 
are obsessed with our customers. Katie Keith, thoughts? I mean, I love the whole idea of customer obsession. I just think it's amazing and how we very rarely talk about obsession in business, but we do now talk about being obsessed with our customers, right. which is fantastic. Um, I work a lot, not just with senior leaders, but actually with emerging leaders. And one of the real challenges is helping them to spot what might happen in the future, both in terms of customers, but also in terms of their sector more generally. So, you know, working with mega trends reports or any kind of scenario planning exercises to just get them to realize that it's within their capability to use Graham's expression, not to predict, but to have a go at anticipating what the challenges might be that are going to affect them and their customers and the opportunities that are there. Right. I'll come back to Graham in relation to scenario planning yeah. as well. But Keith, your thoughts? Yeah, I... I um I was actually intrigued with the conversation. I'm going to take it slightly off piece. Just this whole concept of, uh, you know, what Graham and uh, Pepe were talking about, kind of anticipation versus adaptability. And, and I actually see them as two different things, just having listened to this part, part of the conversation. And absolutely, it's grounded in customer centricity. And, and if, in a, if anything, in my business, that's, that's become an even bigger buzzword or bigger, bigger focus. And not just the end user, but obviously the people you distribute or sell through and, and thinking about them as customers. But but I, I just think as leaders, you know, anticipation skills or, or, or we talked about prediction as well, or it's just it's quite different to um, to adaptability and, and, and it's a different I don't know, it's a different skill set for me or a different set of capabilities that um, I'll come away from this conversation thinking more about. Well, that's good. If that's kind of stimulating that thinking, then it's been a success. Graham, let me come back to you because this word keeps coming up. Capabilities keeps coming up. And what are the capabilities now? Uh, we talked about adaptability that we need as leaders in order to be able to help navigate whatever is coming over the horizon, both challenge and opportunity, as best we can. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I don't, I don't think that anybody's going to be surprised that uh, something digital is in our future. And, and without uh, descending into cliche, you know, whether it's fourth industrial revolution or digital transformation uh, or whatever language you use, uh, we, we know for sure that a significant chunk of what we're going to be facing over the next few years is in that digital space. Right. And that's going to include... Uh, you know, predictive data analytics, it's going to include um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's going to include cloud and mobility, and all of those are going to give leaders more data than they've ever had to deal with before. And so your ability as a leader to make sense of mounds of information to be able to cut through the noise uh, and and find the signal to uh, to quote a title of Nate Silver's book um, to to be able to not just think but also think again and again I'm quoting book titles here that's Adam Grant's book but but these are the types of if if, if you are watching you are noticing some of the people on uh, on the front end of these trends beginning to give us. Uh, ideas um, of what we need to be looking at and what it isn't is more experience and, and more expertise in your chosen profession whether that was engineer or accountant or or auditor and it's got a lot more to do with um, human-centered skills so emotional intelligence right. your ability to read and engage with other people and your ability to deal with data science and your ability to deal with with digital so there's the broad 
broad spread of skills that leaders are going to need in the future. It's going to ask a lot uh, to be a good leader um, that leads well in the next 10 years. I'm a little worried about how well these episodes are building on each other with the themes. And I'd like to say that that was utterly deliberate, but I, I would be lying. But Pepe, let me come to you, because we've heard words such as data. You know, it's almost drinking from the fire hose in relation to data. And I know, Pepe, you and I have spoken about behaviours, trying to understand the changing behaviours of our customers or indeed our own changing behaviours. How do we sense make? So Graham used that phrase noise to signal. How do we change the noise to the signal in relation to our customers, Pepe? Well, and it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult one because normally I, I tend to respond that the trick is really see beyond the obvious, which right. is a very easy way to escape from the question. But I think it's a real skill that top leaders, top management in organizations, but everyone in charge of intelligence should be very good at. I mean, it's not just to put information in our benefit, it's also to be able to read between lines and be able to see beyond the obvious and bet, and bet, and that's why it's becoming so interesting that one of the skills that everyone is talking today is about agility. And when we talk about agility, well, it's, it's a good reflection about we need to have organizations that can test and succeed or fail and learn very quickly. And that's the way really to transfer signals into something concrete. Right. So another skill, you were asking about the skills or capabilities for top management or top leaders. Clearly, agility is one. If we have time, we will talk about a very important one, which is braveness, okay? The ability to leave decision-making accountabilities down there, the closer to the customer possible, to really create this agility in testing new ideas, new signals, in order to anticipate what customers really want. You know, Pepe will do that, and that is a lovely segue back to Graham, because Graham, uh, I remember in the episode that we did, you talked about transferring or empowering those closest to the decision that needs to be made, those closest to the customer, those closest to the coalface. Do you remember that was part and part of our conversation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the biggest problems that organizations have is the distance between responsibility and authority. Right. Uh, that the people who've been given the responsibility to do stuff are often don't have the authority to get it done. And the easiest demonstration of that is at the customer-facing part of a business. You've got responsibility to keep the customer ha happy, but you don't have the authority to change any of the terms and conditions to uh, adjust the contracts uh, because the business wants to keep that power. In an environment where you don't need adaptability, in an environment where things sort of carry on being the same year after year, of, of course, you don't want to give that power to frontline people. But where you need adaptability and responsiveness, you've got to find organizational systems that empower frontline people to do that. Yeah, and that takes me Absolutely. straight back to Pepe for braveness, being brave, being yeah. courageous to allow that to happen. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Adam, you and I have been discussing many times about this. You know, there is a lot of music when we talk about some words like uh, courage and, you know, uh, talking to many senior guys and with a customer just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, one of the key skills that top management need to really put in practice more often is this get the veto power, that is the decision maker, get the veto power down there, having the right people at the right place and be able to really allow people to succeed and also to mistake from time to time because speed, everyone is talking about the speed, is absolutely dependent on 
that the decisions are taken on time. I was sharing with one of my customers, escalation is a failure. In today's world, escalation is an invitation to be late in your response, in your adaptability to the market. So we need to really be brave and give accountabilities, decision-making accountabilities at the right place. So Katie and Keith, bravery, adaptability, agility, accountability. Sometimes I start to think about whether some of the leadership models and practices that we've grown up with in some ways, are they fit for purpose in the current environment? Or is it just too ever-changing? And it was different there in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I think probably that's true. But I also think it becomes even more specific than that, that companies have really got a problem when they try and take a leadership model off the shelf and run with it. Right. And they don't look at how it matches their values and the situation that they find themselves in. So, you know, if a, if a client were to come to me and say, let's do authentic leadership or let's do transformational leadership, hold on a minute, does that actually fit the values that you've got? Or is that just something that you've heard is a great model and that we should use. And you find, I think you find much more valuable work comes when companies adapt it. And you know, now we've got a whole other context that we need to adapt to. Yeah, good advice. Keith? Yeah, I, I, I'm particularly intrigued with um, points Pepe made about getting the veto power down to the lowest level in the business. So right, and, and if I think about the kind of multinational organization I work in, it's trying to do a lot of this. It's trying to be adaptive. It's trying to be more agile in its decision-making. But yet there are still some parts of the process, some still parts of the kind of leadership culture that mean that decision-making is, is not happening with the people um, who know how to make those decisions, who can actually influence the outcomes uh, are. And uh, I think uh, there's a lot more work to be done in that space okay. um, for, 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 for companies such as mine. I, I'm feeling slightly greedy because it's the last Zoom call. So Graham and Pepe, I know I posed a question in relation to kind of the most memorable or powerful piece of leadership advice, but I've got another question before then, so forgive me. Uh, and this really stems out of something you said, Graham. What's been, have you had an aha or a learning moment yourself over the last 15 months as you have operated and how you have had to adapt and be agile in relation to the ways that you normally work? So is there something that sticks out for you that was an aha or learning moment during the last 15 months in the global pandemic? So Pepper, you're, you're on my screen at the moment, so I'm going to come to you first. What, what's, what are your thoughts on that? That's... You should have sent me that question before. I, I only thought of it, Pepe. That's what happens. I'm so yeah. sorry. This is this is the, the podcast, right? <laughs> I think I think the aha moment was was really coming back. I think it was more a learning activity over the whole year last year. If you tell me in January that we will do uh, our work through the technology, through Zoom, Teams, Skype, and all these new tools we have in using, I will tell you you're crazy. And I think the aha moment was the same I'm preaching to many people, and I did as a practitioner before, to really be ready for change. Sometimes how easy is to relax, to feel comfortable with yourself and with your results. How great is that sometimes you have a spark to say, wait a minute, react again, you need to change, and you need to do it in a positive manner. And I think this was the aha moment last year for me, going back to, I need to change, no matter my experience, no matter, because I need is the only way really to survive. Very true, it became non-negotiable. Graham, let me pose that question to you. 
Yeah, I, I had a similar experience to, to Pepe. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in a virtual studio, full green screen, lights, camera, action, you know, and, and have had to upgrade my skills dramatically in that space to give the type of uh, experience that I want to, to give to my clients. Uh, so similar experiences. But from a leadership perspective, I think the, the biggest aha I had with, with my team is that, I, I mean, I, I love what I do uh, for a living and I love the engagement that I've had with clients, but we weren't able to work in the ways we used to work before. And I realized as a leader that I'm not really going to be a leader if I'm not prepared to give up some of the things I truly love. Right. And I, I, I was helped by try, by seeing this from the people who work with me, for, and, and, and in this case, particularly for me, my support team, they were looking at me and getting frustrated because they knew they could do a better job of, of one or two of the things that I was holding on to. And they realized that it's because Graham loves to do that stuff that he's not going to give it up. And we had to have a frank conversation about saying, you know, you're, you're not going to be a proper leader if you're not prepared to give up stuff that you love so that people in your team can support you properly and grow themselves. Um, and in giving that stuff up, I've been able to launch myself, give myself space to learn new things and to launch into new spaces that I'm loving even more now. Um, so yeah, that, that, there was a lot of personal learning in that. Okay, well, I hope I haven't cannibalized my last question by these great insights already. So uh, Pepe, I'm gonna come back to you to the question that you do know about, and that was really, what is the most impactful piece of leadership advice that you remember that you've given or received uh, in, in all your years of experience and wisdom? Well, that's, that's really easy. That's really easy because I was very lucky with many bosses in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's going even beyond the business world. I mean, probably the best advice I have received in my life, and I'm trying to preach today to many leaders, is role modeling. I don't believe in values per se. I think someone said values doesn't make you a better people. Behaviors do. And I think it's extremely important I got the message, if you want to transform, if you want to mobilize people, if you want to influence people without a hat, Pepe, you need to define clearly what are the behaviors that can be emulated easily for people and be the role model for those behaviors. And I'm a strong believer of influential leadership. I think the power you have when you start behaving the way you want others to behave and become someone that can be emulated is probably the best advice I got in leadership. Allow me to arrive quite high up in the ladder. And I think is what I'm trying to preach today to many executives out there. Yeah, so important, the behaviors that support and undermine the very values. So those words on a wall or That's a screen, right. they become actual behaviors day to day. So Graham, right. let me come across to you. The answer, what, what are your thoughts for that question? Well, you did cannibalize it a little bit. What I was going to say is that leadership is not about getting work done through people. It's actually about getting people done through work, uh, which is using the work as an excuse to grow and, and, and develop people. Right. Uh, so if you don't mind me being uh, pushing a little bit beyond uh, what I'd sure. thought and being a little bit, I suppose, uh, personal about it, it's less of a leadership thing. Probably the most... Um, 
impactful thing that I ever heard came from a Canadian philosopher called Dallas Willard via my colleague Keith Coates. So it's yep. kind of almost third hand yep. to me. But he he said that those of us, people like myself, yourself, others um, who have a voice, you know, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a stage or a platform to 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 talk on, his advice was this: don't worry about the size of your platform rather focus your attention on making sure you've got something good to say and then when the platform arrives your your words will be ready i'm i'm sure i'm paraphrasing rather than quoting him but it was about i think too many people are worried about this the, the platform they're on less worried about uh, the content that they put out um, and allowing the platform to emerge and that allows me just a little bit to say thank you, uh, Adam, for for the past year. Um, I, I know that you've been very focused on the content you've wanted to put out. Um, and I, for one, have, have loved it, not just uh, being a guest, but listening to, I think, pretty much all of the episodes. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.